You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. I got something I want to talk about to you. Welcome to Communication Mixed Down on 3CR, and big thank you to the Climate Action Show. 3CR is broadcasting from the stolen land of the Wurundjeri and Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, and we pay our respects to the elders, past, present, and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty has not been ceded and a treaty never signed. I'm Judith Peppard, hosting Communication Mixed Down this week, and today we're heading for Buenos Aires. Not the capital of Argentina, but a town of around two to 3,000 people in the northwest of Ecuador. The people of Buenos Aires expressing their opposition to open-pit copper mining on their lands. It's approved by the national government in Quito without their consent. The company that's moving its equipment and employees into Buenos Aires is Hanrein Ecuadorian Exploration and Mining SA, a subsidiary of Hancock Prospecting Pty Limited. To find out more, I spoke with Liz Downs, a researcher and campaign organizer with the Rainforest Action Group Melbourne. And I began by asking Liz about Ecuador's recent move into mining. Between 2016 and 2018, the government started off with about two and a half million hectares of land for mining. It's now just over three million hectares, ranging from the Amazon rainforest up through both sides of the Andes and what's known as the Andean Copper Belt, which runs right down the mountains. What proportion of the country would that be that's been opened up for mining? That's about a third of the country's landmass, land that's been sold to transnational mining companies with pretty much zero consent or consultation of any of the communities and towns in those areas. Subsoil rights, you know, the idea that (laughs) it doesn't matter what's going on on the top, whether it's private property or Indigenous territories, there's quite a lot of Indigenous land involved in this. Their land underneath is for sale. So concerning for Australia because Australian companies own about 45, 46% of the current investment in Ecuador for copper. And that's five companies. BHP, Twiggy Forests, Fortescue Metals, Gina Reinhardt's, Hancock Prospecting and their subsidiaries, Solgold, another one out there, and, and Newcrest. So there's and a few kind of smaller ones as well. So Australia's all over Ecuador. A lot of Aussies hanging out in Quito. Yeah. The thing is, as well, they're working through subsidiaries. The Australian parent companies are still responsible for what happens overseas because they own majority shares generally in their subsidiary companies. Operating through subsidiaries is a way to try and keep it out of our jurisdiction as much as possible. Very limited oversight from here. 
So what was the government of Ecuador's motivation in opening up the country for mining? They have been an oil exporting country until about 2013, 2014. The oil prices crashed. Ecuador decided to diversify into mining. And at the time, Chile and Peru and the other Andean countries are already the world's biggest copper producers. Ecuador thought, well, we've obviously probably got lots of copper as well. Let's just open the whole place up for exploration. Were there any other pressures on the country? The country's trying to pay off some massive international loans. They're heavily in debt, typical global south country that's resource rich. The other pressure, interestingly, has been very recent with uh, the Paris Agreement and a big push for countries around the world to get to net zero carbon. There's been a boom in demand for transition minerals, of which copper is the major one. The copper price has exploded on the stock markets and on Wall Street, particularly since Joe Biden signed US up to the Paris Agreement. So Ecuador is now trying to compete with Chile and Peru as being a major copper producer. And while the climate situation is urgent, as the IPCC report released last week has shown, the world's need for copper and other minerals in the move to renewables is creating new problems. In Ecuador, one of those problems is the failure of successive governments to consult with Indigenous peoples in the decision to release land for mining. There was no consultation, um, only in, in as far as when the mining company had already bought the concession and were coming in to explore, they would come into the communities and start socialising. So, okay, we're just coming in to take a few rocks out. We'll give you a school. We'll help give you COVID vaccinations. That's about when most people in the country learned that their land was under concession to mining. What were the concerns of the First Nations peoples? Like when they realised what was going on, what were they worried about? The main thing has been obviously food sovereignty and water. So a lot of these communities are living in very high altitude regions. So not only have we got really vulnerable um, ecosystems up there, it's called Paramo, which is this unique grassland that's source of all the water that goes into the Amazon basin. But it's also the source of everybody's drinking water and the water they use for farming. So since the mining has come out, there have been some national protests around water, and that's people's main concern. That's vital. People can't survive if they don't have water. Yeah, particularly with climate change, and there's a lot of droughts happening, and the weather's gone crazy. So it's just it's all that pressure. Well, a lot of pressure indeed. And last week, Reuters reported that snow in the Andes had decreased this year due to climate change. Glaciers are receding and communities reliant on mountain water are facing shortages. So the concerns about water from the people of Buenos Aires in northwest Ecuador are justified. I'm speaking with Liz Downs from the Rainforest Action Group Melbourne, and she has visited Buenos Aires in Ecuador, so I asked her to describe the area. This is a very mountainous part of northwest Ecuador. It's part farmland. They produce all quite different fruits and coffee and, and other subsistence kind of farming and a bit of dairy. There's still remnants of cloud forest. These are uniquely biodiverse areas. Buenos Aires is a town of about somewhere between, um, I found a census which said it had 2,000 people 10 years ago. So it's probably around 3,000 now. People are absolutely lovely. They're very, very warm. They're, they're people that are 
mostly what's known as mestizo, which is a mixture of European, a bit of Afro-Caribbean and Inca and pre-Inca Indigenous people. Very strong connection to the land. They just want to be able to live their lives in peace. And they say, we've got everything we need. We don't need gold. We don't need jobs. We've got our farms. You know, it's, it's a hugely rich food growing area volcanic soil and it's on the equator so they can produce tons of food they don't have a lot of money but they're not poor in the sense that you'd say people were poor sounds like they're happy the way they live and this is what's under threat from the mining yep that's what's under threat and also that very strong cultural connection to land so what action have they taken to look after their land they've been fighting mining for nearly four decades so this is not the first time They have fought back company after company. This kind of mining stuff that's going on at the moment is just off the scale compared to what they've faced in the past. When was the Hanrayan concession established? Like what was the year that they got permission to go in? They got the concession in 2017 and they got the exploration license in December that year. Right. So it's all fairly recent. It's recent, yeah, along with all the other companies that have been getting their exploration licenses at the same time. So I'm wondering if you could describe the events of the last few months, maybe just going back to April, because I understand there were some problems in April this year. So Henry's been a bit of a problem for a couple of years, but it all kind of came to a head in April when they decided to block the only access road in and out of the community so that residents couldn't get in or out. And there's a pretty graphic photo of the road coming in and out of the community just being like wall-to-wall trucks and they camped on the side of the road and they just said, look, we're not letting anyone in and out of this town until you allow us in to set up our camp. The blockade went on for 40 days. How was the community affected by the blockade? They basically spent the time getting on board different human rights organisations, the National Assembly, the Constitutional Court. They eventually got a court injunction. It's like a particular kind of Latin American legal device based on human rights, which said the mining company has to leave within 10 days. So what the mining company did then was they unblocked the road, but they didn't leave. They stayed camped there. The court injunction was given on June the 7th. Last month, on the 27th, they forced their way in five times in one day or tried to get in. There was some violence, and I have to say that was not on part of the community members. The community members were just praying. Very uh, religious people are basically on their knees praying in the road, singing, chanting, just with banners. Uh, One man was stabbed four times. Three days later, a judge in the capital city of Quito ruled that the company was allowed to use whatever force necessary to, to get into the community. So that was an attempt to overturn the legal injunction, the human rights injunction. So the company went, okay, no worries. And that's when uh, on August the 2nd and August the 3rd, they came in with over 500 armed military police who tear gassed the residents, forced the residents off the road, the Policia Nacional, the National Police, then got it, there's videos of them with a megaphone saying, you are not allowed to publicly protest. Well, that's a direct violation of the Charter of Human Rights and uh, Ecuadorian human rights law and the constitutional laws. People were forced off the road. Four people were arrested and detained. And now the company set up camp in the community. Liz Downs from the Rainforest Action Group, Melbourne. 
Peter Scheer is the director of Casa Interamericana, an organization based in Ecuador that promotes conservation, social justice, and better living alternatives in the tropical Andes. He describes the events of August the 2nd in a message to Australian people, and it's recorded outdoors in the Andes, so there's quite a bit of wind in the background. On August 2nd, over 500 military police and soldiers entered the community where they've been uh, holding vigilance to protect their uh, community lands for over three months. They tear-gassed protesters who were literally on their knees praying. Four people were arrested. Fortunately, yesterday we were able to get them out of jail. They have a, a trial coming up in three weeks. They're charged with preventing public services. But the message from the community is transnational mining is not a public service. Put yourselves in the shoes of these campesinos. They're people who are farmers, their fathers, their mothers. They want to live in peace. They've articulated opposition to this mining project. They've seen around the world how open the mining destroys the environment, contaminates the water. Please take this message. Please talk to people and help us prevent this, this from happening. It's a travesty. It's a blatant human rights violation, and it has to stop. Peter Scheer, director of Casa Interamericana, an organization based in Ecuador that promotes conservation and social justice. And they've obviously been very active on this issue and are reaching out for people to protest and take action. You're on 3CR. What we're dealing with here is a total lack of respect for the law. Tune in to Done By Law. An informal and irreverent look at the law. Critical insights and analysis from diverse community perspectives. Done By Law, 6pm Tuesdays. of the Earth Food Co-op is open. Get fresh produce and support local farmers and keep our grassroots community thriving through these unusual times. Organic veggie boxes and click and collect now available. Visit www.foefood.org slash click collect to place your orders. Or pop in store at 312 Smith Street and see how we're adapting with our new physical distancing layout. Shop organic and buy local. Made easy at Friends of the Earth. A proud 3CR supporter. You're on 3CR. The show is Communication Mixed Down, and it's great to have you with us. In the first part of the show, we heard how the government of Ecuador sold off huge swathes of land to multinational mining companies without consulting with communities who would be affected, in particular indigenous communities. And we heard what happened when the people of Buenos Aires tried to stop Hanrein Ecuadorian Exploration and Mining SA Company from moving through town 
to get to their mining site. I asked Liz Downs from the Rainforest Action Group what Henrine people were doing in the town now. It's kind of like a depot, and that's to allow them to explore further up the mountain in the area where they actually want to put the open-pit mine. And I understand it's quite rugged country that they have to go into. Extremely uh, precipitous country. It's about 60-degree slopes, something, some of it. But they've chosen to set up in the town itself. And so now it's already probably increased uh, the size with the mining company there. We're not sure how many mining personnel are there. There's an awful lot of police there at the moment, 501 police per four people in the town. So the government of Ecuador is supporting the mining companies going in against the wishes of its people and has deployed its own police to support the mining company. And are the people who live there, Yusha, are they allowed to go about their own business, their own work and do what they need to do? We don't know. And I guess the situation is we literally don't know what's going to happen next. Our colleagues in Ecuador are sort of giving us daily videos of what's happening. They're very worried what what happens when they start exploring. I mean, mining exploration, unfortunately, does a lot of environmental damage, particularly if you have to put roads in, get machinery through. And this is an area of very high biodiversity, high endemism waterways can get polluted there's already been lots of incidences in the intag area where this community is situated so they're watching what's happening to their neighbors and going oh people in buenos aires are very concerned about how their lives and livelihood will be affected by the presence of the mine but scientists and conservationists are also concerned about damage to the environment and loss of species i asked this downs why the area is so special This is part of this um, area called the Tropical Andes Global Hotspot, the number one biodiversity hotspot in the world. And it extends from the Amazon side of the Andes over the mountains with all these different altitudes. And the main part of what's specific to mining is that the endemism is out of this world. So you'll have species of frog that only exists in two square kilometres in one particular waterhole, waterfall, for example, and that is happening in BHP's mining concession next door as well. We're working with what's known as the rights of nature for two species of frog that are just exist nowhere else but this one waterfall where BHP wants to mine. So you used the word endemism where a species is just adapted to a very, very small environment and lives nowhere else. It's on the equator. You've got this incredible altitude variation. It hasn't had a lot of climate change over the last few million years until now. Are there any other creatures that are endemic to that area, only found there? Species of hummingbird, several hundred species of orchids that are completely endemic to that area. The Palomos, which is the high grasslands, haven't been studied a lot. They've got plants, there's massive plant biodiversity, and particularly orchids, a big thing there, and mosses and bigger animals in some of the nearby cloud forests, like the Andean spectacle bear, which does have a wider distribution, but it's very rare. We've got different species of cats, pumas, lots and lots of different kinds of birds. And the loss of biodiversity and destruction of land that sustains rare and endangered species is an issue for all of us, whether globally or in Australia. But there's a bigger picture here. The Earth's ecosystem is in crisis, and the move to renewables requires minerals like copper, lithium, and cobalt. But mining these minerals can be water-intensive and lead to further risks to the environment and to lands of Indigenous peoples. 
This could exacerbate existing inequalities and create new ones. We need mining, but is there any governance over the way it is done? And what responsibility does Australia have for Australian companies that are conducting mining operations overseas? I asked Liz Downs. The Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade has policies. Obviously, there would be some oversight there. Over the past several years, there was a development and aid program under DFAT, which was encouraging mining companies to set up shop in places like Papua New Guinea and Southeast Asia in particular. What about human rights issues? Does DFAT have any guidance for mining companies around those issues? In their website, it's very hazy and it's not so much through DFAT. The OECD National Contact Point has been an avenue for companies to be be complained about. And there's a process by which you can, if you believe there have been human rights abuses or environmental issues resulting from a company's action, you can go through that. There's a couple of NGOs. Aidwatch is a good one that we're, some of our, actually work closely with Aidwatch on this issue and Jubilee Australia. And we have the Australian used to be called ACAN, the Australian Corporate, Accounta- Corporate Accountability Network. Um, I think it's called something slightly different now, but they're working a lot on the issue that we're hoping to get into, which is the climate-related extraction. So how to sort of get some more oversight when companies are going overseas to extract not just fossil fuels, but also renewable energy minerals extraction. Yeah. Well, lots of questions there, and I feel we'll hear a lot more about these issues. How do we continue to protect the environment and get the minerals that we need and avoid human rights abuses? I asked Liz what people could do to keep up to date with their work and respond to the situation in Buenos Aires in Ecuador. There is a petition that's circulating right now. It's an international petition started by one of our sister organisations, Salva La Silva. If people are on Facebook, they can look up the Rainforest Action Group Melbourne slash NAM. And that's our Facebook page, Rainforest Action Group Melbourne NAM. We'll be posting regularly on there. The petition's on there. You can go to handle MRAG, M-R-A-G 2020. And that's our Twitter handle. And we're also on Instagram. We've been posting their Rainforest Action Group. And we have a website called rainforestactiongroup.org as well. The main thing at the moment is the petition. We have a couple of bigger things in track. We'll be talking to a couple of senators, Janet Rice and hopefully someone in Western Australia. We've um, spoken to a human rights barrister who's interested in seeing what we can do from the Australian side. But the main problem is that we have this issue about corporate accountability and oversight for Australian mining companies who are operating overseas. We are putting in for a research grant to do a mapping, but at this point there is very little work being done on mining specifically. And the conduct of mining organisations. Yep, so I just encourage people to just keep up with our social media and just check us out if you're interested. We're really looking for people to just help get stuff out on social media and get a bit of algorithm action just to give the issue some visibility. And this is a story that continues to unfold as new information becomes available. If you're interested in following the story, just go to the Rainforest Action Group Melbourne website to follow what's happening in Buenos Aires, Ecuador, and other issues that they're working on. A big thank you to Liz Downs for joining us on Communication Mixdown today, and to you for tuning in to 3CR. And stay right here, because coming up next is Eritrean Voice. 
Do take care during yet another lockdown. Stay safe, stay warm. And I'm going out today with Spirit Bird by Xavier Rudd.
laugh and we cry and we sleep in your dust because we've seen this all before. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.